It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in to another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And this week for show number 31, for the week of February 4th, 2013, there's a lot of things happening. Not only is it my birthday this week, but it is a brazzle-dazzle day, because we have some fun going on this week. We're going to have dragons, singers, and more, because we have the one and only Helen Reddy stopping in here on the show this week. That's right, Grammy Award winner Helen Reddy, who is also the star of Walt Disney's animated and live-action classic, Pete's Dragon, singing such memorable songs as I Am Woman and also Candle on the Water. Helen Reddy's going to stop in, talk about her long-standing career, her legacy, what she's doing now, and her all-new 2013 World Tour. We also have the D-Team back. Yes, we have the D-Team back with Tony, Jason, and Lexi. We're going to be stopping in with their signature segments. Lexi is back once again. Yes, a fellow Australian to Helen Reddy. Lexi, our D-Team member from Down Under, is going to go a little bit into the history, the legacy, and the entire career of our special guest this week, Helen Reddy. We have Jamie back with the Artist Corner as he's going to continue with his trip looking into Walt's original nine old men, this week uncovering a little bit more about the one and only Ollie Johnston. We also have Jason back with the Vault. Yes, there's a lot of things that, you know, you just want to uncover, those Disney classics, new classics, and maybe movies you didn't even know existed. And Jason is back once again with a new Blu-ray and DVD review for you with the Vault. We have all kinds of fun and a ton of news hot off the D wire this week and we're going to give you a little bit more about our all new segment I want to know we got bombarded with questions so we're going to tackle a few of those and uh, let you know uh, what to expect out of this all new segment there's all kinds of fun here this week so it is a brazzle dazzle day it is a fun fun day and a fun week so let's kick off show number 31 for the week of February 4th 2013 how fitting by making it a brazzle dazzle day be right back all BG heads It's a brazzle-dazzle day, so throw off the past and everything in it. That's the brazzle-dazzle way, enjoying your time from minute to minute. Running through the sand without your shoes on. Shoes on. Making sure that you don't keep your blues on. Finding a boat we can A brazzle dazzle day when you think of love and never of sorrow. That's the brazzle dazzle way to do your work now and take off tomorrow. Flying through the air, you don't need wings on. Wings on. Climb right up and feel the thrill it brings on. Rock with the wind as it sings on. Above the clouds, free 
joy in just a few hours. All our brazzle dazzle years have just begun. We'll follow the sun at Disney Productions, Invisible, Impossible, Troublesome, Massive Mischief, Pete's Dragon, a motion picture full of adventure and excitement. Beware of the evil Dr. Terminus and his helper, Hoagie. Hide from the mean. Family of wicked wackos. Share an irresistible secret with Lampy. Dragon! Celebrate with Nora, a newfound friend. And live it up with the funniest, most lovable dragon alive. Elliot! 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 My dragon! The best pal a boy could ever have. I love you too. Sing. with a wonderful motion picture. Walt Disney Productions. Pete's Dragon. Wow, that's great. You're the most wonderful dragon in the whole world. You're never too old to feel young. Pete's Dragon. Disney Blues, Disney On Demand.
Walt Disney called Ken Anderson his jack-of-all-trades. As a world traveler, he has an eye for the exotic. The snapshot sketches he made on his travels often became cartoon characters. His technical innovations made Disney animation less expensive and gave it new life. Look, Pongo. Anita! And his artistic leadership helped the animators carry on after the death of Walt Disney. Yeah! Dragons are nothing new to Disney. Anderson manufactured a different kind of fire breather for Pete's Dragon in 1977. So I thought, why not a big bumbling Wallace Beery type of dragon? A guy who uh, has, he doesn't shave, he can't shave all the time. He's got stubble on his beard, on his chin, and uh, yet he's warm-hearted, but crude. And uh, also would be kind of nice if he wasn't really able to be facile, wasn't able to fly too well. He, he allowed himself to get a little paunchy. And so no longer could his, were his wings capable of lifting him off the ground without a great deal of effort, which would make people feel a little bit for the dragon if he was a nice, nice fellow. I don't want to play. Of all the faraway lands he has visited, one spot remains most special to Ken Anderson. This is my laughing place. Remember Bear Rabbit? Uncle Remus's Bear Rabbit? Bear Rabbit had a laughing place. Everybody should have a laughing place. This is certainly mine. Filled me with life. These trees, the strength, the grace, the beauty of these California live oak trees is something that just inspires me every minute. In fact, it means life to me. Actually, literally, figuratively, and really means life. Disney Blues. Disney on demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. Uh, uh, With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so I'm back once again. I hope you enjoyed the kickoff of this brazzle-dazzle day of a week for show number 31 here at Disney On Demand for the week of February 4th, 2013. And we have all kinds of fun lined up as we're inviting the one and only iconic Grammy Award winner, actress, and more, Helen Reddy, here at the show very soon. We have all kinds of fun lined up from the D-team and more. So before I jump into the news hot off the D-wire here this week, I do want to mention that you can get all the latest news, social media outlets, and more, including our past list of archives, where you can download and listen to all of our past shows right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. And you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand, where once we reach that 1,000 likes, we are going to be giving away an official Roy Disney autograph. So spread the word on that, all of you D-heads. And you can also friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. 
Find us on Twitter and many other places. So let's just jump right into the D news this week. We have all kinds of fun lined up. And how about Disney Interactive and Vivo to launch family-friendly music destinations? That's right, Disney Interactive and Vivo, the world's leading all-premium music video and entertainment platform, are joining forces to create the premier family-friendly music experience. Now, the partnership is going to include co-branded complimentary destinations, and Disney is going to feature videos from Vivo's premium catalog of over more than 50,000 music videos on Disney.com, and Disney will curate the program and family-friendly music video experience across Vivo's online, mobile, tablet, and connected TV platforms. Now, as part of the pack, Disney Interactive and the Disney Music Group and Radio Disney are going to collaborate with Vivo to produce music-focused original programming, including coverage of exclusive events, music video premieres, and live music experiences. And Disney recording artists are going to be featured across both companies' platforms. As they have announced, music is the key component of all Disney.com offerings and deepens the premium family experience that we offer to our guests online. Now, they are really hoping that this is really going to provide that something extra, that something fun, and something for families. And I think it's a great connection, a great team-up. And music is the most universally loved and shared by all people of all ages, especially the Disney community. They have mentioned that they are very proud to partner up with Disney and Vivo to bring quality entertainment and enjoyment to all of you. Now, since we are talking about Disney Entertainment, how about Disney's Peter Pan? Yes, the Peter Pan Diamond Edition is getting released this week, and I, for one, am very excited about this three-disc set with a Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy. Well, how about you want to save money? Because, yes, when you do get those three-disc packs and more, it does get a little costly. Well, how about a rebate offer for Disney's Peter Pan Diamond Edition? Yes, you can get a rebate right now from Concord Foods. And Concord Foods is collaborating with Disney to support the release of Disney's classic film, Peter Pan, in celebration of the movie's 60th anniversary. The Disney is going to release Peter Pan for the first time on Blu-ray and DVD in its combo pack this week. Now, consumers can save $5 by mail when they purchase Disney's Peter Pan 3-disc Diamond Edition set and two Concord Foods guacamole or salsa seasoning mixes. Now, this is good from February 5th all the way through May 31st, 2013. And come on, who doesn't like guacamole or salsa seasoning? Now, the rebate offer is going to be promoted over 2 million packages of Concord Foods with guacamole and salsa seasoning mixes. In addition, the picture-themed in-store displays are going to be available for everyone to see that Concord Foods and Peter Pan are joining up nationwide. If you want to find out more about this or you want to save money, you can always visit the Concord Foods official website at concordfoods.com slash rebate. And you can also find that link found in our blog on our official website at dizradio.com. Now, continuing on with animation and animated features, how about Disney's Wreck-It Ralph? And Disney's Wreck-It Ralph has won the Best Animated Feature at the 40th Annual Annie Awards. That is correct. Disney's Wreck-It Ralph won the Best Animated Feature honor at the 40th Annual Annie Awards held last Saturday, February 2nd at UCLA's Royce Hall. Now, this year's expanded list of categories topped over 30 categories, honoring many more nominees and team entries and in the previous years. Now, new to the awards this year was the addition of Best Student Film. Also, a live streaming of the ceremony was made available for animation enthusiasts to enjoy who are unable to attend the official event. Now, the complete list of winners can be viewed at the official website at annieawards.org, but the Best Animated Special Production was awarded to Despicable Me. Best Animated Short Subject was Walt Disney Pictures' Paper Man. The Best General Audience Animated TV Production for Preschool Children was Bubble Guppies, A Tooth of the Luth. 
and the best animated television production for children was Dragons Riders of Burke. Now there's a variety of them that were on this and the best one was Wreck-It Ralph once again. Now former Annie Awards host and movie reviewer Leonard Maltin, no stranger to anybody who enjoys movies, and the voice actors of Rob Paulson who was a guest here on our show. He's one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, he's also a voice of a variety of characters from Walt Disney and more. If you want to find out more, definitely check out our past archive shows with Rob Paulson on. And many others were hosting the duties along with many others, including Seth Green. Now, if you want to find out more about who won this from Robot Chicken, DC Comics, Walt Disney Pictures, Nickelodeon Animation Studios, DreamWorks, and more, you can visit the full list at AnnieAwards.org. But congratulations to Disney's Wreck-It Ralph on winning the Best Animated Feature at the 40th Annual Annie Awards. Now pushing on, how about getting back to some of the parks? And this is something that's a little bit of a plug here for the blog here at DizRadio.com. But over the course of the next couple of weeks, I uncovered a variety of things that I have laying around from old park tickets all the way through napkins and more. And we're going to start posting those there on the website. And right now you can see our first in the mix with our 1986 Magic Kingdom Park Pass right there on our website. Now I uncovered all these while I was cleaning out the studios the last weekend and There's a variety of things I have from River Country tickets, old postcards, and more. I mean, bags and boxes of all of these. And we're in the process of scanning them all in. But we're going to get them out to all of you guys. So all of you D-heads, if you want to enjoy looking at old park tickets and more, check it out on our official website at DizRadio.com. Now, getting back to news and more, how about the small screen? And over the last couple of weeks, we've been announcing a variety of things that are involved with the Girl Meets World new spin-off series from Boy Meets World. Well, Sabrina Carpenter, the 13-year-old actress, has been cast in the Girl Meets World spin-off as Riley Matthews' best friend. As we recently reported this week that Corey Matthews' daughter Riley had been cast for the Boy Meets World spin-off Girl Meets World, the newest cast member is following suit while the show begins production on the pilot next month with 13-year-old Sabrina Carpenter. Now, Sabrina is going to be playing the part of the best friend to Riley Matthews, who is being played by Rowan Blanchard. Now, Girl Meets World kicks off production next month, as we have previously reported, and it's going to have the original stars from Boy Meets World, Ben Savage and Danielle Fischel, reprising their roles as Corey and Topanga. Now, Michael Jacobs is overseeing the entire project as executive producer, And this is only going to be a good thing to help out the quality and the content of the show. Now, many have asked if Ryder Strong, who played Corey's best friend on the show, was going to be part of it. And you know what? It may happen. He may be part of it. And if you look at Sabrina Carpenter as the best friend of Riley, she kind of has that, you know, pretty much uh, best friend, Sean, of Ryder Strong. Uh, You know, she has that look to her. So check it out. It is in production, and I think everybody is pretty excited for this one. Now, as we continue along with new announcements and people getting attached to projects, how about Disney announcing their live-action Cinderella, getting an all-new director in Kenneth Branagh? Yes, Disney has been working hard at creating a live-action adaptions of a variety of their films from Alice in Wonderland, the all-new Maleficent, and many others, including recently with a variety of them that are in the works, including the all-new telling of Cinderella as a live-action film. Now, many little girls and adults know Cinderella as the iconic Disney princess from the 1950 animated classic from the company, and it is a coveted role from 2D animation now jumping to live action. Now, over the last few months, many rumors have been floating around from a variety of actresses trying for the role, which many people are just putting faces to the actresses who would be the best. And it was rumored that a variety of actresses were going to be Cinderella. But the only people we know of so far that is attached to the role is Kate Blanchett, who is going to be playing the role of the evil stepmother. 
Well, the film recently took a hit in its production start when Mark Romanek of One Hour Photo fame decided not to take on the project and left the seat wide open once again. But now, Kenneth Branagh has jumped into the house mouse as director of the project, and he is recently credited with the Tom Cruise film Jack Ryan. We're going to see how this all pans out, but the live-action Cinderella is set for a 2014 movie release. Now, as we continue with Cinderella and princesses, let's jump back to the parks, and how about an all-new place to meet the Disney princesses, as Fantasy Fair is making its regal debut at Disneyland March 12th. For many guests at the Disneyland Park, the encounter with Disney princesses and her story is an essential part of the visit. I can say this as a father of a little girl, it is very important. And beginning March 12, 2013, Disney princesses are going to await these guests at the new Fantasy Fair, a storybook world that extends Fantasyland and brings its timeless tales to life in fun and surprising ways. Now, the Fantasy Fair is going to create an enriching and immersive environment for guests who treasure magical fairy tales. Now, designed in the charming old-style world familiar to many lovers of Fantasyland, this regal village fair is located on the west side of the hub or the central plaza, expanding Fantasyland beyond its current boundaries and into a location that was formerly the Carnation Plaza Gardens by Sleeping Beauty Castle. Now visitors are going to be able to walk through beautiful pathways leading into corridors of the Royal Hall where princesses await them along the way. They will encounter whimsical design torches including Geppetto's cat Figaro dozing off and occasionally waking up and on a windowsill you can even find Clopin's music box, a fascinating interactive and mechanical toy representing the Feast of Fools from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. The addition of the Fantasy Fair is going to be one of the highlights of that the guests can experience for the spring and summer 2013 Disneyland Resort complete experience. Now, there's a variety of different things that are opening, including Justice Fantasy Fair, including the all-new Mickey and the Magical Map, Sophia the First and Doc McStuffins joining the Disney Junior live on stage, and at the Fantasy Fair, there's a variety of different things that are going to be happening that's going to make it immersive, fun, and include an overhaul for all the Disneyland guests. Since Walt Disney World has been getting all the hype with all the fun and pretty much everybody wanting to go to the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida with the all-new Fantasyland, this is a way that they're going to hype up Disneyland for all of you over there in California. Now, getting back to the small screen in the news as we just keep it rolling along, how many of you remember the all-new Mickey Mouse Club from the 90s, late 80s? I personally do. I've talked to a variety of the Mickey Mouse Club members over the last couple of years and months and more, and, you know, we've had a variety of them as guests here on the show. Well, from the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, Felicity, and the all-new The Americans, the star Carrie Russell says she would love to be part of Star Wars Episode 7. Now, it is no stranger to anybody here that I am a big Star Wars fan. I love it. My son even has a Yoda hat that was knitted by my wife for him. We love Star Wars. And with all the hype of Disney buying Star Wars, and even more so, a new film on the horizon with Episode 7 and J.J. Abrams as a director of that film, actors and actresses have been clamoring saying, I want in. I want in, I want to be part of this. And Carrie Russell from the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, Felicity, and the recent hit show, The Americans, announced that she would love to be part of the film. She said, I would do anything for JJ. I would even do craft services if he asked. Now, many people know that he was also previously her boss in Felicity and also Mission Impossible 3. So, you know what? We can't hold our breath. We don't know who's being announced. But with it saying that a female lead is in the horizon for Episode 7, maybe we'll see Carrie Russell down that role. 
So continuing on, all of you D-heads, like I said, we have a ton of news here this week. Let's jump into the web browser and how about the interactive experience of Disney and more and Disney and Google Chrome unleashing Oz, the great and powerful themed interactive web experiences. Yes, many of you know that last week we reported this and now if you had a chance to get it, you know, get your hands in this or be one of the beta testers, you can find your way to Oz and the new Google in-browser experience that has no plugins or nothing needed. We just want to get feedback from all of you D-heads. If you had a chance to play with this, we for one thought it was beautiful, it was fun, it was very very interactive. Have you had a chance to check out this new Google interactive experience from Disney and Oz the Great and Powerful? Now also on the Disney horizon and new things that are here, how about the first unofficial guide to Walt Disney World in Spanish? is going to spark interest into the Orlando theme parks among Hispanic tourists. Yes, I'm not even going to try to say it because I don't really speak Spanish, but it is. Let, all right, let's try it. La Guia Essential de Walt Disney World. I probably butchered that. Yes, crucify me. I probably butchered that. I don't really speak Spanish. Sorry. I can speak Korean, but uh, I don't know about anything else. But it is the first unofficial guide in Spanish dedicated to the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. Now, Oscar has a day job, but spends most of his free time helping Spanish-speaking families plan the perfect Disney theme park vacation, sprinkling some pixie dust in their own language along the way. Now, this 36-year-old former investment banker, better known as Disney Hispana, on the internet message boards, has been in love with Disney parks ever since his first trip to Orlando back in the 80s. He has grown up and become the author of this all-new pioneering guide to Walt Disney World in Spanish. And according to a report by the theme Entertainment Association, the Walt Disney World theme parks in Orlando thinks that this is going to help spark that interest, spark that fun into the Spanish-speaking communities. Now, Oscar was amazed that there was essentially no unofficial online community or guidebook catering to the needs of Spanish and Latin American Disney theme park fans in their own language. So in 2007, he decided to build one himself and make it. And you can find that right there at DisneyHispana.blogspot.com. But he went ahead and wrote this. You can find it on Amazon right now and more. And he has this right now if you're speaking Spanish. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to butcher the name. But you can find the link right there on our website at DizRadio.com. And now it is the first unofficial guide to the Walt Disney World Parks in Spanish. Now before I let you go, you know what? I will let you go. We have a lot more news here we're going to be talking about all of you D-heads. We have a lot of things on the horizon. So you know what? I'm going to leave it to the D-team. I'm going to branch it off to Jamie. He's going to leave you a little bit more from the artist corner. We have some more tunes and some more fun as we gear up for the one and only Helen Reddy stopping in here at the show very soon. Yes, I am excited for this one. It's a brazzle-dazzle day. I've said it before. Maybe we should change that. How about... Uh, it's a candle on the water seeing its way through the entire show here this week. I know. It's a bit cheesy, but fun. But before I let you go, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is sponsored by Pixie Vacations. And the agents at Pixie Vacations specialize in all Disney destinations. Whether you want to go to Walt Disney World Resort in Florida, Disneyland, or set sail on a Disney cruise, or take part in Adventures by Disney. Pixie Vacations is an authorized Disney vacation planner with knowledgeable and experienced agents who will help you plan the best Disney vacation ever. You can contact all the people at Pixie Vacations and have them help you plan your vacation at 678-815-1584 or you can visit them at pixievacations.com and you can also find that link on the banner on our homepage at dizradio.com, D-I-Z radio.com. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to let you go. We're going to have some fun, have some magic, have some music and more. And when I come back, I'm going to ramble on a little bit more.
Oh, hello there, little boy. Hi. Hi. Hey. Hey, you look terrible. Hey. Your friends turned green. If I didn't know any better, I'd say he was a dragon. A drag, drag. dragon nose every little piece every little piece we could make a million by slicing him dicing him hoagie we could sell every little shell there's enough of him to go around money 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 by the pound every little piece every little piece i can take a scissor and clip him up rip him up every little part is a work of art think of what a dragon heart would bring wrapped up in a ribbon and a string dragon liver can cure a cold dragon powder grows hair with dragon blood you'll never grow old Every item is covered with gold. Every item is covered with gold. Every little piece, every little piece. Dragon, you're my wagon to destiny. You're the key. Every little shred moving me ahead. Every dream of mine will be fulfilled. Oh, what a dragon business we can build. Dragon cartilage keeps you thin Dragon fat is for burns A dragon tear will clear up your skin Watch the prophets come rolling in Watch the prophets come rolling in Every little piece, every little crease I'll lead me to the dragon I'll buy him up, tie him up Drag him from the cave Show him that I'm brave I'll bind him up, grind him up Lop him up, chop him up Can't you hear that jingle, jangle sound? (laughs) It's money, money, money by the pound Cash, 
dragon cartilage keeps you thin. Dragon fat is for burns. A dragon tear will clear up your skin. Watch the prophets come rolling in. Watch the prophets come rolling in. Every little piece, every little crease. To the dragon, we'll buy him up, tie him up, drag him from the cave, show him that we're brave. Oh, Snow, you'll go yourself. We'll bind him up, grind him up, lop him up, chop him up. Can't you hear that jingle, jangle sound? Oh, yeah. It's money, money, money by the money, money, money by the money, money, money by the Dealings with stressed envelope to Davis and Kurt. Right down that. When we were making Peach Dragon, Elliot wasn't there. He was invisible, and I could only see him in my imagination. You sure changed my life. The magic of Disney's artists brought Elliot to life so you could see him too. They used a special effects technique perfected at Disney Studios known as the sodium screen process. In today's digital age of computers, it's much easier than it used to be. You may even have heard of the terms blue screen or green screen. It's like this. Someone is photographed against a very specially lit green background. Later, computer programs eliminate all the green and leave just the person. Then that image can be combined with any kind of background. You see it all the time in movies. Even TV news, where animation or people are combined with different settings or objects. Cause it's not easy to find someone who cares. It's not easy to find magic in pairs. Before computers, combining animation with live action was not easy. So I'm going to let you in on the secret of that process and how Disney Studios spent decades getting so good at it. So what's the rest of our story? Well, with the arrival of computers, now these kind of dazzling effects can be done digitally combining actors with realistic computer animation. And it's so easy. So when you watch a classic movie like Pete's Dragon, and maybe the effects don't look quite as real as a new film, think about all the hard work that took filmmaking pioneers more than 80 years to develop these special effects. I was lucky to be part of it. When I went to college prep, I pretty much gave up acting. But I sure remember those brazzle-dazzle days. That summer we made Pete's Dragon, and I still miss Elliot. <laughs> How do we get to Neverland? Fly, of course. Fly? It's easy. You think of a wonderful thought. Any happy little thoughts? Uh-huh. Like toys at Christmas, sleigh bells, snow? Yep. Watch me now. Here I go. It's easier than pie. He can fly. He can fly. He flew. Now you try. I'll think of a mermaid lagoon. Underneath a magic moon. I'll think I'm in a pirate's cave. I'll think I'll be an Indian brain. Now everybody try. One, two, 
this won't do. What's the matter with you? All it takes is faith and trust. Oh, and something I forgot. Dust. Dust? Dust. Yup. Just a little bit of pixie dust. of the happiest things. It's the same as having wings. Let's all try it just once more. Look, we're rising off the floor. Jim and me. Oh, my. We can fly. You can fly. We can fly. Come on, everybody. Here we go. <laughs> Up to Neverland. Think of snow, think of sleigh bells, off you go like reindeer in the snow. You can fly, you can fly, you can fly. Think of the happiest things, it's the same as having wings. Take the fat that moonbeams make. If the moon is still awake, you'll see him wink his eye. You can fly, you can fly, you can fly. Straight on till morning. When there's a smile in your heart, there's no better time to start. Think of all the joy you'll find when you leave the world behind and bid your cares goodbye. You can fly, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. This is Lee Ehrenberg, Grumpy, from ABC's Once Upon a Time. You're listening to Disney On Demand. You are now invited to enjoy the world premiere of World of Color.
Hey all you D-heads, welcome to another segment this week of The Artist's Corner. Now in today's edition, we're continuing our look on Disney's Nine Old Men and start individually to talk about each of the animators. Now today I would like to talk about Ollie Johnson. Ollie, who joined Disney in 1935, first worked on Snow White and went on to author the animator's Bible, The Illusion of Life, with Frank Thomas. Now just some of Ollie's characters that he animated include Mr. Smee and Peter Pan, the stepsisters in Cinderella, the district attorney in The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, and Prince John in Robin Hood. Now, according to the book The Disney Villain, written by Johnson and Frank Thomas, Johnson also partnered with Thomas on creating characters such as Ichabod Crane in The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad and Sir Hiss in Robin Hood. Ollie was an American motion picture animator, and he was one of Disney's nine old men and the last surviving at the time of his death. He was recognized by the Walt Disney Company with its Disney Legend Award in 1989, and his work was recognized with the National Medal of Arts in 2005. He was an animator at Walt Disney Studios from 1935 to 1978 and became a directing animator beginning with Pinocchio, which was released in 1940. He contributed to most Disney animated features, including Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Fantasia, and Bambi. His last full work for Disney came with The Rescuers, in which he was caricatured as one of the film's characters, the Cat Rufus. Now, Johnson, who co-authored with Frank Thomas the reference book, Disney's Animation, The Illusion of Life, which contained the 12 basic principles of animation for which we talked about last week. Now, this book helped preserve the knowledge and the techniques that were developed at the studio. The partnership of Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnson is fondly presented in the documentary Frank and Ollie, produced by Thomas's son, Theodore. Now, one thing you might not know about Ollie Johnson is that Ollie's lifelong hobby was live steam trains. Starting in 1949, he built a one-inch scale backyard railroad with three one-twelfth scale locomotives now owned by his sons. Now, this railroad was one of the inspirations for Walt Disney to build his own backyard railroad, the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad, which again inspired the building of the railroad in Disneyland. Ollie was the founding governor of the Carrollwood Pacific Historical Society, along with his fellow Disney animator rail fan, Ward Kimball. The one-fourth scale Victorian depot from Ollie's backyard was moved and restored to the location near Walt Disney's Carrollwood Barn at the area of the Los Angeles Live Steamers Club in Griffin Park in Los Angeles. And in some Disney pictures, director Brad Bird paid a tribute to Ollie Johnson with an animated cameo of Johnson in the 2004 Pixar film The Incredibles, as well as a cameo in the 1990 film The Iron Giant, where he played a trained engineer. Now in this week's Artist Spotlight, we'll go to Ollie Johnson. And within this week's Artist Spotlight, we also present Glenn Keane, who is a former Walt Disney feature animator. Glenn will talk about Ollie Johnson's animation. There's something really intuitive about Ollie's drawings, and I think that a lot of it came from Freddie Moore. Now, Freddie Moore was the guy who really created the look of Disney animation. He did it intuitively. It just came out of him. He added the, the, the cheeks to Mickey Mouse and the, that squash and stretchiness to the dwarves. And, and this, these drawings right here are uh, Ollie's. These are some centaurettes that Ollie drew from Fantasia. And which is again a very Freddie Moore-like feeling. Freddie was an expert at drawing these girls. But you can see just the way the shoulder kind of arcs as she leans in, as they, they put some rouge on her cheeks. She starts to tilt back, S-curve flow. It, it's something that Freddie Moore kind of planted in Frank and Ollie and Milt and all the, the great animators. Uh, it's, it's really his thumbprint on all of Disney. Ollie's drawings have a real life to them when you look at them they 
they squash and they stretch and in, in such a plastic kind of, of a way. And um, when I look at all these drawings, they're rich. The forms are so pliable. Um, it's like there's a lot of calories in these drawings. I mean, I feel like I get fat just looking at them. You know, it's, I, I love drawings like that. That's, that's why I love to draw. It was very easy working with Ollie because I, I found uh, a kindred spirit in him, somebody who, who finds that the pencil feels like it has nerve endings at the, the end of the point. Ollie would say, look for the golden drawing and use your time around it. And you can see that in his scene of Smee. Now, Ollie was telling me that this character was a tougher character for him to animate because Smee was not a guy that thought deeply. Smee was very superficial kind of a character. And Ollie said he was one of the most difficult characters to animate. And when I think about it, I understand. I understand why, because Ollie thought really deeply about his characters. I mean, he, he had to enter way down under the skin to, to relate to them and to, uh, to animate them with his heart. Crawling into the heart of a character. In this case, here, Pinocchio is uh, talking to the fairy. Holly does these little gestures that would only occur to you if you really felt the way Pinocchio feels. Like, here he is. He's kind of saying, I was going to go to school. And like a little kid, he's a little nervous. He's kind of nervous. He's telling somebody something that he knows that they don't really want to hear. He's about to say something. So it's this nervousness of his little finger kind of twirling in the in the cuff of his pants as he's talking. And it's just those little touches, those little things like that that prove to you that this character is real. What matters is your ability to really identify with the heart of your character, whether it's a little girl or whether it's a big bear. You know, he crawled under the, into their skin and, uh, and became that character. Thanks, Glenn, for the inspiring words on Ollie Johnson's work. In this week's Disney Art News, the Sketch of the Month has been released for the month of February here in 2013. Love is in the air at Off the Page at Disney's California Adventure Park with the debut of three special Valentine's Day-themed sketches designed by artist Casey Soliday. Still continuing to debut are the new Park Icon sketches. The Disney Gallery on Main Street USA at Disneyland Park is now still offering special artist sketches themed to the beloved Disney Park attractions and icons. These sketches include the fire engine, the Main Street vehicle Omnicar, and the Omnibus, and the train. So find your favorite artist sketch locations and find your favorites today. Now on next week's segment, we're going to continue to talk about Disney's Nine Old Men and concentrate on another famous Disney animator. And again, I would like to thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Artist Corner, and we'll see you real soon. Hey, D-Heads, when you aren't enjoying Disney On Demand, head on over to DizRadio.com and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney Player, where you can while away the hours reliving Disney classics from film, television, and the parks. What are you waiting for? Keep your hands and arms inside at all times and go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. And have a magical day. That's it. Careful, careful how you hold him now. How you carry it. That's it. Ah, it's ugly. Well, it's been our own little Petey. <laughs> the Gogans. Well, you look so nice and clean. And those new clothes. I guess all those good manners I taught you done paid off. 
Who's that pretty lady you with, little Pete? Yeah. yeah. Introduce us. I'm Nora, and Pete is staying with me. Why, boys, I believe she's trying to break up our happy little family. Elliot wanted to look for Paul. I wish he were here. Don't worry, they won't get you. Come on, Dad. I guess we're going to take him back now, miss, to his own home sweet home. Come on, Pete. You won't be taking him anywhere. Okay, lady. We're going to take him whether you like it or not. Right, boys? Right, Pa. Willie, you grab on to Pete while I hold on to her. You grab Pete. I want to hold her. I want to hold her. Well, I'm going to hold her. All right. I'll settle this. You two grab the bread.
Alright all of you D-heads, so I'm back once again and I hope you're enjoying this week's show so far. For show number 31 here at Disney On Demand, I want to thank the D-team once again for stopping in with their signature segments and making the show fun. And we have a lot of things coming up as we're going to be inviting the one and only Grammy Award winner, actress from Pete's Dragon, Helen Reddy, here to the show very, very soon. We have lots of fun things lined up, including the return of our D-team member from Down Under Lexi, who's going to be stopping in very shortly to give you a little bit of a bio, history, and more about our special guest here this week. So kicking right back off into news, let's jump into Miley Cyrus. Yes, Disney's one and only Hannah Montana. Well, Miley Cyrus is still on a mission to prove she's no Disney princess, and she's going that extra mile in the next issue of Cosmo by posing topless, dissing Disney, and dropping a few F-bombs. Yes, on the cover of Cosmo's March issue, Miley Cyrus is posing all in white, wearing a pantsuit that's missing the blouse, and she's gingerly holding onto a blazer, well, kind of, sort of, with her chest sticking out. In typical Miley fashion, the pop star gripes about how Disney, as we all know, is the company that got her her start, which just drives me nuts, has basically made her hampered by her creativity and under her contract for Hannah Montana. She says, I've never gotten to make a record like this because Disney always has been on my back saying, you've got to promote the TV show in two months, so make sure your record's done. I look at it as Miley Cyrus is not showing the gratitude and anything else. She's going down that road of many of these women and singers and uh, you know people who are always dissing Disney saying, you know what? I'm done with Disney, and, you know, Disney was horrible. Well, you know what? Without Disney, without that little TV show, you would not be famous. You wouldn't have these opportunities. Your father was a, you know, a washed-up, one-hit wonder singer. So, you know what? You got to embrace it. You got to enjoy it. What do you think about this one, D-Heads? I say that she is forgetting where her roots are and, you know, the people that gave her her start. Now, continuing on with news, how about Disney's Paperman? Now, we were talking about the Annie Awards that did take place this last weekend, but Paperman is officially nominated for an Oscar short. That's right, Oscar-nominated Paperman is taking its page from the Disney classics. If you missed it in theaters, Disney's Oscar-nominated romance, Paperman, is now online just in time for Valentine's Day. You can go online right now and check out this animated short that is fantastic. It is gorgeous, and the animated... and this animated short was featured before Wreck-It Ralph in theaters last fall and debuted on YouTube this last Tuesday, already gathering more than 30,000 likes on YouTube. It is a great, glorious, taking a a look back at classic animation. Now, even though this isn't hand-drawn animation, it is beautifully done where it looks like it. I mean, it is more like flash animation or whatnot, but, you know, it is awesome. I mean, this this is a great, glorious short. Paperman is about a young office worker in mid-century New York who meets his soulmate while waiting for the train. But he gets a second chance at meeting her when he looks out his office window and sees her in the skyscraper across the street. Then he decides to cut paper airplanes and send her a note. It's a classic love story. It's rendered in glorious gorgeous black and white hearkening back to the days of hand-drawn animation which is exactly what the first-time director John Cars was aiming for. When Cars served as an animation supervisor on Disney's Tangled he worked closely with Glenn Keane the veteran Disney animator that we all know behind such classics as Aladdin and Ariel in The Little Mermaid was inspired by this classic approach to animation. If you want to find this Oscar-nominated short Paperman, you can catch it on the Racket Ralph Blu-ray and DVD, but you can catch it right now online on YouTube. Now, pushing right along with news, how about Star Wars? And I know many of you are just getting tired of all the Star Wars bombardment lately with all the different Star Wars things that are hitting the scene. Well, 
I'm just gonna give you one more little hint, and how about Hasbro targeting adults with the all-new Star Wars toys? Yes, remember the Star Wars toys, those small, cheap, little black figurines? My son has some. I think I still have some from when I was a child. Well, Star Wars The Black Series aren't dolls, they're collectibles. One of the difficult steps on a nerd's road to adulthood is when his or her toys cease to be playthings and become collectibles and works of art. Well, the all-new Star Wars Black Series toys is going to do that. No more with the 3 and 3-4 Star Wars toys line. Well, they will still be made, but this is an all-new line, and these are going to be gigantic 6-inch figures with great detail, more articulation, more like the McFarlane series. Now, the first wave is going to debut in August for about $20 a figure, and it's going to have such characters as Luke Skywalker in his X-Wing garb, R2-D2, Darth Maul, and a misled Sand Trooper. There's going to be a variety of different waves that are going to be released, but their main focus right now, as they put it, is the adult collector, as DePriest, the person in charge of helming this, has said over at Hasbro. Now don't worry, they will still have the 3 and 3 fourths toys, you know, those for Clone Wars, the classic collectibles, and more, but this is just something that's going to be added, and that's the Star Wars Black Series. So all of you D-Heads, we have a variety of different things that are on the horizon, a lot of fun things. Now we did have our new segment, I Want to Know, that was going to debut here this week, but we got a number of emails. I mean, seriously, a few hundred emails with questions, so we're going to sort through these, see if there's any duplicates, and don't worry, you will get credit when we answer these questions here on the show. So we're going to debut this next week because we want to do it right, and with so many questions and things that people are asking with the I Want to Know segment, we want to do it right, so it will debut next week for show number 32, so definitely get prepared for that. So, all of you D-heads, we have a variety of things on the horizon. Remember, you can always check out all of our social media outlets and more on our official website with our blog, our Lifetime of Disney Flash Player, and all of our past shows at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Dot com. You can check it out right there, and you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash DisneyOnDemand. You can find us on Twitter, AOL Instant Messenger, Instagram, and more. And you can find all of these links on our official website at DizRadio.com. So, all of you D-heads, I'm going to take a little bit of a break here. I'm going to get something to drink, and I'm going to leave you to our D-team member from Down Under, as she's going to talk about another Aussie with our guest this week. Helen Reddy. So I'm going to let you with some magic, some memories, some more. Our D-Team member Lexi, and when I come back, I'm going to have the Grammy Award winner here on the show. Be right back, all of you D-Heads. <laughs> no wonder they love it. Saw it. Saw what? L. 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 Drat. What is an L L L dra dra Dragon. I, 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 I saw the dragon. Lampy wasn't lying. It's real. It belched flame at me. Belched? You saw a belching dragon? You sure you weren't belching yourself in front of the mirror? Never, never saw anything so horrible in my life. Thought, thought I was a goner. There was no need for him to do that. I only offered him a sociable drink. Hoagie, I can't stand you when you're drunk. Doc, look at me. I'm not drunk. What I saw tonight sobered me in a second. I swear, I swear to you, there's a big, horrible dragon up in that cave. I swear. I just realized I can't stand you when you're sober. Now, get out of here. Get yourself a good stiff drink. Out. I swear, a vicious dragon. Out. Dragon. 
Gather round the Jiffy Pop. Gather round the Jiffy Pop. The Jiffy Pop. The Jiffy Pop. Gather round the Jiffy Pop. The Family Fun Treat. And here's great fun. A Pete's Dragon Magic Picture Kit free in specially marked packages of Jiffy Pop popcorn. Each kit's a different scene from Walt Disney Productions' full-length feature, Pete's Dragon. Four fun scenes in all. Here comes the Jiffy Pop. Fresh, hot, and delicious every time because you make it yourself. Gather round the Jiffy Pop. The Family Fun Treat. I just got back from Disney World and it seems like the timing is perfect. How exciting! We have another Australian on the show this week. It's great to hear another accent like mine. Us Aussies have to stick together, you know. <laughs> this week's special guest is none other than Helen Reddy. Singing sensation, Grammy winner and much more. I'm so honoured to have the chance to research one of Australia's and even the world's most wonderful stars. So, Helen is a big star. We are so lucky to have her on the show. A very special guest indeed. We all remember her fantastic music, like I Am Woman, and over 12 other top 40 hits, like Delta Dawn. That is pretty impressive to me. What a fantastic repertoire. As Disney fans, we always like to know what the member of the Disney family has contributed to the Disney that we all love. So, you remember Peach Dragon? That's right, the Queen of Pop is the starring character. Helen's music is so wonderful. Can you believe that this special guest, all the way from Down Under, provided the anthem for the feminist movement of the 1970s? I Am Woman is so powerful and gripping, just like the ideas of the time, so it seems like a pretty perfect match. Helen Reddy's achievements are nothing but remarkable. Disney is certainly very lucky to have her as a member of the family. Performing for the age of four makes her one very successful artist. Being from Melbourne, Australia, which, so you know, is only 13 hours drive away from my town of Sydney, Helen is the first Australian to win a Grammy. Americans obviously adore her, as Helen was also the first Australian to have her own weekly variety show in the US. It was on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson in 1967 that started America's love affair with the Australian talent. Talk about a special guest. Helen's music has sent her all around the world and to the most prestigious venues too, like Carnegie Hall and even Broadway. Helen Reddy Sings was a very popular radio show in Australia. I asked my parents and they absolutely loved it. Everyone appreciates Helen's talents, so much so that there is even a tulip named after her in Holland and her song, I Am Woman, is referred to in a wealth of history textbooks. Helen has had such fantastic success that there are just far too many achievements to name you. In 2002, Helen Reddy retired from touring and retrained as a hypnotherapist and a motivational speaker. Back home in Australia, of course. Fortunately for us, Helen has braved the pop culture world once more 
and came out of retirement in July 2012. I will definitely have to go hear her soon and hear the songs that she has chosen as her favourite. It'll be a great night indeed. Now, Australians have a lot to thank Helen Reddy for. She achieved so many great historical milestones and helped to pave way for a stronger connection between Australia and the US. Now Australian singers and artists are more welcome in America and Helen certainly played a major role in that development. It's such an important relationship. It's no wonder why in 2011 Billboard named Helen Reddy the number 28th AC artist of all time. And just so you know, that's the ninth position among women. And just as an extra bit of trivia, Helen played a big role in Olivia Newton-John's career, another Australian. It was through her that Newton-John had a chance meeting with the director of Grease. How about that? I think it's pretty cool. Now, for a Disney hit, Helen had the starring role in the 1977 classic Pete's Dragon, where she introduced her Oscar-nominated song Candle on the Wind. It really is very beautiful. Who doesn't love Pete's Dragon? A story about a boy, a dragon, hardship and just happiness. Helen's song is uplifting and peaceful. It speaks to the heart of the Disney dream. Throughout the 1970s, Helen Reddy was featured on a number of talk shows. It was here that she got to display her loving and soulful personality. These shows included our friends The Muppets and even Carol Burnett. It really is so exciting for me to research an Australian special guest. It is like my two favourite things, Disney and My Home Australia, are all in one. I'm very lucky. Like most members of the Disney family, Helen Reddy is rather active in community affairs. It's interesting to note that she served in the State of California's Parks and Recreations Commission for three years and is still a patron of the Australian Society of Clinical Hypnotherapists. If you D-heads would like to learn more about the wonderful Helen Reddy, you can always grab a copy of her autobiography titled The Woman I Am. What an amazing life and legacy Helen Reddy has. Few stars come close to shining that bright. Thank you, Helen Reddy. Without you, Disney would not be what it is today. Mr. Piano Man, please Tickle those ivory keys No one can noodle the way that you doodle Those ricky-ticky melodies Oh, Mr. Piano Man, you Do what nobody can do Your trembling tremolos are gonna drive me to ruin Your left don't know exactly what your right hand is doing Oh, Mr. Piano Man, please
for dealings with pressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Write down that. exactly the best place for tic-tac-toe. The tide's coming in and high water reaches this cave sometimes. You better head for home. You're not from Passamaquoddy, are you? Nope. Just sort of traveling. Where are your parents? Where are you staying? What's your name? Pete. I'm Nora. And I have to get back on watch up in the lighthouse. There's chowder on the stove, if you'd like some. What's the matter? It's a hand, not a shark. You can finish that chowder. If you'd like. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, we're back once again with another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And with us here this week, we went back in time for all of you Disney fans out there, and you've asked us to, you know, contact a variety of the different stars and the people that made the magic and the memories happen. And with us here this week is a number one Grammy Award winner. You've known her from the mother as Pete's Dragon. Also, from all of her music, her entire career, her legacy, we have the one and only Helen Reddy with us here this week. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Well, thank you. So nice to hear your voice. Uh, it is our pleasure to have you on. I mean, it is an honor. I mean, somebody of your stature and your career, you know, just taking time out of your schedule to talk with all of us here. Well, why not? <laughs> well, I guess, you know, starting way back, you know, before we even tackle any of the films and that, um, you know, I guess being raised over in Australia and then also wanting to kick off your career into singing, I guess, how did you get started into, uh, you know, doing a musical career? Uh, well, my, my parents were in show business, and uh, they had me on stage singing at age five. Wow. I mean, so, I mean, you were just pretty much started off right away, right from the bat, and is that something that you loved even at that age? Uh, well, it was all I knew, basically. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't think of myself as a child at the time. I thought of myself as a, a short adult. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and that progressed on, of course. I mean, and if you have a wonderful voice, so, you know, it just seemed natural to continue pressing on with that. And, you know, going through, I guess, all those years and continuing on in music, is that something that you for sure knew that this is going to be the, you know, definitive direction um, for you? I mean, I know it's all you knew, but at the same time, was there ever any other part of you saying, uh, you know, I want to do something else, or was it clearly just, I want to do music? Um, well, music was the easiest thing for me to do because it came so naturally to me. But there, there have been different times in my life when I've, I've, you know, gone, gone back to school and taken a class in, in something or other that interests me. 
But yeah, music is definitely the the major driving force. Now, I guess when it came time for uh, everybody, I guess globally, to to know your name and have it become such a household phenomenon, uh, I guess what I guess what was that defining moment that you knew? This is what I have to do. You know, uh, we've all read read the stories and and heard it over the years about how you you know headed on over to the states. And uh, you know, is that something where you know you look back and uh, this was the chance to do that big break? I mean, was it a scary moment? Was it something where you know there was a huge uncertainty? I mean, it's a big market. Uh, I guess what made you realize you know I'm going to have to go to the states and and make this happen? Well, uh, at the time in Australia, um, you know, they had that. They had not had a movie industry up and running since the since the 1930s. There was very little happening in terms of recording. It was kind of a wasteland, in a in a way. And I knew that if I wanted to have the kind of career that I wanted to have, and and getting the chance to sing the kind of songs that I like, um, I I had to go to America. And I always knew, even as a child, that that, that that's what my destiny was. Well, I mean, and it seemed to work off with you. I mean, it just, you know, you ended up just hitting the mainstream, you know, four or five years later. It ended up just resonating with people. And everybody knows, uh, you know, the one song that has become an anthem for a generation. It's become the anthem for women. And everybody knows I am woman, I guess. Uh, you know, what led that song, those lyrics? I mean, they're so powerful, so, uh, you know, commanding. Um, what led to that song? And then also, you know, how did you feel once you realized, wow, this is really, really well received by everybody and resonates with everybody beyond just me? Well, um, actually, what what I now refer to as the, the first draft of I Am Woman was uh, on my first album, and I'd been involved in the in the women's movement for a, for a while before that. But uh, I sang. I mean, the song was never never got any attention on the on the first album. But I noticed because I used to open my my show with that song, and I was getting really very strong reaction from the audience, and uh, so Capital uh, decided that it might be a good chance to see if the song could be a single, and as it, uh, as it happened, it took nine months for it to go all the way from <laughs> number 99 to number one, because you'd never see that happen nowadays, but uh, yeah, the song, uh, it was actually, I think, the first number one hit that uh, the Capitol had had in five years. Well, I mean, and that song just, you know, it went on to, I mean, a legacy even now. I mean, there's so many, uh, you know, television shows, movies, all over the radio. You still hear that song continuously to this day. I mean, and that has to have such a great feeling inside knowing that, you know, there's this little mark in history that is always going to have Helen Reddy's name attached to it and something that you were able to leave that's a positive note, empowering, and, you know, something that's, uh, you know, just going to leave that uh, that mark in history. Uh-huh. And uh, so I'm, I'm very proud of that, and I'm particularly proud of the fact that the, uh, that the lyrics to I Am Woman, which I wrote, are now uh, in the American high school history textbooks. And, you know, I mean, and that's the kind of thing where it's, like I said, it's gone beyond just the just the music. It, you know, it really is the lyrics. And, you know, lyrics are always the true gem behind any great song. I mean, there's always the, the catch or the pop or, you know, the riffs, but it's always the lyrics that are the longstanding terms. And, uh, you know, having that in these books, it, it just shows you that lyrics are very powerful. Well, 
excuse me. Well, you know, my mother also was a, a singer in, in her day, and uh, she she taught me a lot about singing. And one of the main things she used to stress was, if you're not going to pay attention to the words, you might as well be singing la 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 because the words tell the story. And uh, I paid attention to that. I, I took that on board, and that's uh, that's always been very, you know. At the, at the top of my list of, of what this song should be or that song should be. Well, I mean, and you went on to write a variety of different songs that just always have, you know, great lyrics to it, great, uh, you know, it's just the kind of thing where somebody can listen to any one of your albums from your discography and just, I mean, really connect with pretty much almost every song on there to some level or it's a backdrop, it's the soundtrack to someone's life and, you know, it, it really is a very powerful discography that you have left for everybody. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I'd like to think that I've had some some sort of effect on a generation. <laughs> Although we did have a huge backlash in the 1980s, and that uh, that took us down a bit. But uh, I think, you know, over the years, I, eventually we will have uh, a female vice president, a female president. Uh, in, in Australia now... Uh, virtually every political role is taken by a woman. Well, you know, I think it is just a matter of time, and it is that, that moment in history where you know, we all realize we're we're all just people, and you know, whether it's, you know, a man, a woman, uh, any kind of race, you know, great ideas and great leadership are going to happen, and I think it's just a matter of time. Well, I think we're on the way where it uh, seems to be rather a slow march, but we, we are on the way. Definitely. Now, I guess, you know, pushing along with music and your musical career, um, you know, with the hits, international fame, um, everybody has known your name. And then that leads us to, of course, um, all the Disney fans. And you moved into, you know, doing motion pictures. And Pete's Dragon, which I know everybody's itching at me to get to, uh, you know, Pete's Dragon and that film just, you know, it has a special place in my heart and I'm sure many of our listeners' hearts. Uh, how were you approached for that? And uh, I guess how willing were you to say, you know what, I want to jump on board with uh, this wonderful musical script? Uh, you know, I, I had to audition for the role, but um, it, uh, it went like a breeze. It was, uh, it was great, and uh, I think also the way I interacted with the, with the young boy, the boy who played Pete, that uh, that was that was very helpful too, I think, because it it showed that there was this um, empathy between us. I mean, and you guys really connected. I mean, it was the kind of thing where I felt the whole cast, from Mickey Rooney, uh, yourself, uh, the boy that played Pete. I mean, everybody. It just really seemed like. Uh, the cast really well just meshed together very good, and, and hopefully that was true for on and off set. Oh, definitely, yes. Uh, Sean Marshall was uh, a, a very sweet boy, and uh, he, did a, he did a great job. That was his first movie. And I thought he, he carried it off to a T. Now, when it came to the set, I know a lot of people are always wondering, you know, there's a couple of different scenes in there that uh, definitely have your mark on it. And uh, uh, I guess, is there one musical number from that film that just you really love to date that you did? I mean, because you have so many great tunes in that in that film. Is there one that you just really liked more than any of them? Well, there was, uh, as it turned out, yes. Uh, because during filming, there's a scene where, uh, I run up the hill with the, with the children behind me, 
and then I'm on a, a swing, and it turns out that the dragon is pushing the swing. Um, both those times, I I got chills. It was. It's very hard to to describe, but it was just this wonderful feeling of, of joy that started at my toes and came out the top of my head. Well, I mean, and that's the kind of song too. I mean, that track just really. There's something about it because it's it really is, I guess, powerful coming back to lyrics and that kind of thing, you know, where it is just, you know, we're all part of this huge family and this huge world. And, you know, having these children there, I mean, it really does encompass the whole idea of a community and a sense of family between everybody in that town. Yes, I think you're right. It does. Now, uh, with a lot of the effects, you know, Pete's Dragon, of course, you know, being a combination of animation as well as live actors, um, there were a variety of different stunts. And the one question that people always bring up is, was that actually you uh, standing on those barrels and actually making those spin? Oh, yes, it was. I have nightmares about that. So so you were actually up there doing that, and uh, I guess... I was actually up there. I was nine feet uh, off the ground, no safety net. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was tough. I mean, I had been a dancer, you know, in my, in my youth. But, uh, just the, just being up there nine, nine feet off the ground, and if I tripped, which I never did, but if I had, I might have taken a few people out on my way down. <laughs> I, I, you know, when it came to that, was there a lot of different takes that you had to do for that or any other training that you did? I mean, when they said, hey, we're going to have you up here standing on these barrels, spinning them around, I mean, was that something at first you're like, I'm not sure about this? Well, like I said, I used to have nightmares about it. But, um, you know, I come from a, a long line of show business people. The show must go on no matter what. And you're told to do something, you just get up and do it to the best of your ability. Very true. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's one of those scenes, though, that to this day, just, uh, it is a really great musical number. And, you know, people always ask, you know, because you see those high heels uh, shoes that you were wearing and doing it, and everyone's just like, all right, there has to be wires, there has to be something there. And, uh, you know, now hearing that you actually did it, you know, that that's quite impressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, that was definitely me up there. Scared to death, but that was me. <laughs> well, and the film itself now also, like I said, it has gone down in history as one of the Disney classics. Um, everybody loves Pete's Dragon. It's, you know, been released on Blu-ray now. I've passed it down to my four children. I mean, everybody really loves Pete's Dragon and the music in it, um, you know, from songs like Brazzle Dazzle Day. And, of course, uh, Candle on the Water, which is a great anthem for, uh, you know, for the film. I mean, and that hit the, the easy listening charts for a while and uh, also the pop charts. Um, was that a song that you were shocked how well it actually did from the movie? Uh, well, that was, I, I think it was written with the, with the intention that, that that should be the, the standout, um, number. There were some great, there were some great songs in the, in the, in the show, you know, Hershon and Kasha did the, uh, did the score. And um, it was it was just a really fun experience. Well, I mean, in the film, like I said, it is great, and it goes down in Disney history to these days. And, you know, it truly is a wonderful film. Now, you know, after Pete's Dragon, you went on to do a variety of different things, more television appearances and movies. And more, theater. 
Yes, definitely in the theater. I was just getting to that. And now I, I always feel theater is way different than movies and television just because you have that instant reaction, that instant gratification from the audience. And also you're there live. I mean, you have to know, you know, hit your marks and, and hit your targets. Um, you know, what made you want to transition over to doing theater? Well, I started out in theater. Um, you know, I mean, I, I was, uh, I was five years old the first time I was on stage. And this is years before television. See, television didn't come to Australia until, um, oh, well, we didn't get color until 1975. But we did have some, uh, we did have some black and white shows on the, on the tiny little television sets in the, in the late 50s. Okay. I mean, and I mean, would you agree that, you know, there is this, uh, you know, this thrill and this excitement with having a live audience there, uh, you know, watching you perform? Well, you know, you get a lot of feedback from the audience and every audience is different. Um, I mean, I used to see that when the, in the days when I was playing Las Vegas, where it was, you know, two, two shows a night, seven nights a week. And every audience would be different. You just never knew uh, what sort of a reaction you were going to get. I mean, the the early show, they might love this particular song, not be so crazy for that one, and then vice versa with the second show. So, um, yeah, the, the, the audience is very important. Well, I mean, and the audience, you know, loves you too. So that's always a good thing. And, you know, I guess uh, as we went through your, your career, I mean, uh, in 2002, you decided to, you know, just uh, uh, close up shop and just, you know, take some time for yourself. Take that time to just sit back, pull back and relax and, um, you know, do your own thing. And uh, when when that happened, was that just uh, almost like a weight lifted from your so shoulders so you could actually hear yourself, uh, you know, think, be positive, things like that. I know I've heard many people before say, you know, it's great to step away for a bit and I can actually just have some time to myself. Uh-huh. Well, I think I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I needed uh, I needed a break. I really did. And I was getting very tired of seeing the same songs over and over again. Um so yes, I took uh, I took ten years off. I went uh, I went back to college. I got a degree in clinical hypnotherapy, and uh, moved back to Australia. Um, partly because I, I have an elderly sister who has health issues. But um, yeah, I just I needed a break, and I'm glad that I had it because now that I've uh, since I came back to work, which was last year, I. Uh, I'm, I'm finding things that, that I'd forgotten about or that I'd, I'd never thought about or it's, I guess I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a different place and the music is in a different place. The audience is still there. Well, I mean, I think the audience is always going to be there. I mean, just because, you know, your name has come up from our listeners a variety of different times and, you know, everybody loves you. And now you're going to be touring the United States as well, you know, from Palm Springs, California, South Carolina. Um, I know we're shooting to hit up the St. Charles, Illinois show ourselves here at Disney On Demand. So, um, you know, you are going to be touring again. And, uh, you know, with this tour, is that the, the kind of tour where people are going to be able to hear the songs that they love? And are they going to be able to hear, you know, maybe something different or something that you never really sang live before? Oh, there's a lot of songs that I that I have recorded but that I haven't sung live and we're, we're sticking those in the show and uh, and the show changes from night to night because, you know, I recorded uh, over a hundred songs, Jonathan. So uh, there's, a, there's a big bag to choose from 
But there are there are some songs that I I will never sing again. I'm sure there are a couple of songs where uh, you know I I can only imagine as an artist. You know I I clearly don't have that kind of catalog, but I could imagine that uh, especially during the the peak of your career, just having to hammer out the the same song over and over again is to that point where you're not sad if you don't ever have to sing it again. Well, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. <laughs> and and also, you know, when you when you're singing the same song over and over again, night after night after night, the mind tends to wander. And I remember my mother saying, pay attention to the lyrics, pay attention to the lyrics. Some nights they're out there and I was thinking about what color wallpaper should I get and, you know. So I uh, I like how I'm working now in that I don't have to sing all the hits. I, I do some of them. But uh, there are all these wonderful songs that I recorded over the years and they never became hits because they weren't appropriate for pop radio but now um, these, are, these are songs that my fans are, are still familiar with because they've, they've got the albums so it's uh, it's nice I mean I'm enjoying it now I've, I've, I don't dread going out on the stage because I've got to do the same thing over and over again I, I really look forward to each night because each night now is, is, is a little different well, I mean, and that's the kind of thing where, like you said, your fans know. And when they're coming to see this show, I mean, they're probably just as excited as you to hear these songs where they've only heard them on an LP before or items like that. And, you know, it's just as exciting for the crowd as well for you, like you said. You know, it's something where you can change it up and have fun. Oh, yeah. You know, lots of people come up to me afterwards and say, you know, I'm so glad you sang that song. That's one of my favorites. So, yeah, there's... um there's a, there's a lot of satisfaction in in doing shows the way I do them now. Now, I guess with this current tour that is kicking off, and I believe it's kicking off at the beginning of March, is that correct? That is correct. So, you know, it's starting off in, in March in California, and, you know, you're going to be working your way throughout the United States right now. Um, you know, is uh, this kind of tour, I mean, something like this where everybody wants to find out more about it, um, they can always check out your official website uh, as well. And you're going to be hitting up, like I said, a variety of different dates, um, you know, and like I said, kicking off Palm Springs, California, and working your way across. Like I said, we're going to be trying to hit up the St. Charles, Illinois show, you know, being here in the Midwest. So hopefully we'll be able to catch you there. And, uh, you know, it's it's the, the kind of tour where, you know, people are going to be asking, people are going to be looking, and of course, social media outlets. Um, are you on Facebook, and where can they find you on there as well? Oh, well, you'd have to ask my son about that because I'm not a technological person. Um, I, I believe that you have a fan page, and it's uh, Helen Reddy, uh, you know, just Facebook.com slash Helen Reddy, and I'm sure that uh, people can go there, like your Facebook page, and find out more about you there as well. Now, uh, with, uh, I guess, we don't want to keep you too long. We understand, you know, you have a lot of things going on, prepping up for a new tour. Any lasting impression that you want to leave for any listeners out there that really uh, enjoy your show and uh, enjoy your LPs, enjoy your movies? Is there anything you want to leave for any of them? Well, I love them all for having given, having given me the support that they have over the years, and I hope they will continue coming to my shows, and I look forward to seeing them. 
if and when they do. Well, it was our pleasure having you on. You know, we really appreciate you taking this time out of your schedule and actually, you know, talking with all of our listeners, you know, reminiscing about your entire career and, you know, helping, uh, you know, kick off your new tour, coming out of retirement. I mean, I think this is an exciting thing, as I'm sure it is for you, as well as many of your fans and our listeners. And, um, you know, we appreciate you uh, stopping in and I'm sure they're going to be seeing you uh, throughout your uh, current tour that's going to be kicking off in March here in the States. Well, thank you very much, Jonathan. I, I hope you're going to show up at one of the shows. Uh, that is our plan. Uh, like I said, I'm hoping to, uh, I'm hoping that we're going to show up at the uh, Chicago show. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully we'll be there at St. Charles, Illinois. So uh, uh, definitely be a fun time and, uh, you know, hopefully you hear some of these hits in live and in person. You got it. All right. Thank you once again. Okay, Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks, Dad. For what? Making believe about the dragon and going Make along with it. It means a lot to Pete. Sort of a family he made up. I'm not making believe. I saw it. I actually saw it. And I haven't been the same since. You go down to the cave, you'd see it too, and your eyes would just pop right out. I was there. I saw nothing. Dad, be realistic. Oh, you want to be realistic. Let's talk about how realistic you are. Here you are waiting for someone to come back that just ain't going to come back. And if waiting for over a year hasn't told you nothing, then you're not the one to talk about being realistic, are you? Honey, honey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I'm going down to the hardware store. Keep holding on, you'll make it 
Here's my hand, so take it. Look for me, reaching out to show as sure as rivers flow. Siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC82. Confirmed. Hey gang, glad you made it down to the vault again this week. I hope this week has brought you great joy when it comes to any Disney film. I know with the snow coming down, it's always a great time to throw in a great Blu-ray or DVD just to pass the time away. Sometimes we get lost in our decisions as to what movies to watch, so we need a lighthouse to guide our way. And what better way to do so than invite our dear guest, Helen Reddy, to light the way in showing what film to watch. So I'm going to take her advice and visit Passamaquoddy as we take out the newly restored 35th anniversary edition of Pete's Dragon. It only seems like yesterday that this film was out, but believe it or not, as I said, 35 years, so 1977 was its release date. What a great film to bring the family together with. With such a beautiful cast, wonderful songs, and that unique blend of animation and live action, how could you not love this film? As mentioned before, it does star our dear guest, Helen Reddy, along with other Disney fa favorites, Jim Dale and Mickey Rooney. Shelley Winters making her appearance as the mean Lena Gogan and the ever funny Red Buttons. Maine, early 20th century, and we meet Pete. One might call him a vagabond moving from family to family. This time, caught with the Gogans, Lena, Merle, Grover, and Willie, Pete no longer feels loved or wanted and thus leaves or shall I say, flees his new family. As he's leaving, an unseen force stops the Gogans dead in their tracks. What could this be? Why, it's the invisible dragon known as Elliot, only seen by Pete. Angered and confused, Lena Gogan is determined to keep her kid and demands that Grover and Willie find him and bring him back. On the run and not certain where to go, Pete and Elliot ponder on visiting Passamaquoddy, a nearby village. Upon arrival, Elliot, invisible and unseen by all, causes quite a stir, and Pete is soon labeled unlucky and asked, not so nicely, to leave. That is until Lampy, played by the wonderful Mickey Rooney, sees him. And how is that possible? No one but Pete can see Elliot. Seeing Elliot terrifies Lampy, and he runs back into the bar, warning everyone that he saw a dragon. Laughed and shunned, he's taken back by his daughter, Nora, played by our dear guest, Helen Reddy. 
They return home to the local lighthouse. She settles him down and takes him to bed. Still feeling uncertain as to where to go, Pete finds a seaside cave nearby. Pete scolds Elliot for causing so much trouble. All he wants to do is find a place to stay and be loved. As Pete and Elliot reconcile, Nora finds Pete and offers him shelter. To make him feel at home, Nora begins asking about Elliot. Pete has no qualms in telling him exactly who he is. Pete being the inquisitive one then it retorts as to who exactly Nora is and Nora tells her story about her fiance Paul, his lost ship, and the pining she has that one day he will come home. It's Pete's promise to Nora that she will have Elliot find him someday. The next morning Passamaquoddy gains two other new visitors. Doc Terminus, the crazy medicine man, and his dear friend Huggy. And during this time, most medicine men were there to take advantage of villages and towns, and Passamaquoddy is no exception to them. Later that evening, Nora talks with her father about the dragon and thanks him for pretending it exists. Lampy insists that he saw the dragon, he, and he has to be real. Because she doesn't believe in Elliot, this infuriates her father, and he begins to think how ridiculous it is for Nora to believe that Paul will ever return. They argue a bit, and soon he apologizes for his outburst. Nora runs up to the top of the lighthouse and pines for her love, singing the Oscar-nominated song Candle on the Water. Returning back to his true home, the bar, Lampy bumps into Doc Terminus and Hoggy, and they discuss the dragon. Terminus dismisses the tale, but Hoggy agrees to go and visit the cave where Elliot is hiding. The men encounter Elliot, and it's through a peace offering of an adult beverage to Elliot that causes him to belch fire. Still believing Pete's the cause of all his troubles, the fishermen are now complaining about the lack of fish. It's Nora's kind gestures that she insists that everyone finds room for Pete. Still believing there's good in him, Nora takes Pete to school. Unfortunately, bad tidings through Elliot happen again and is punished unfairly. This enrages Elliot, who destroys the school building. Seeing all of the mishappenings, Turbinus believes that Elliot exists, and they must find Elliot, because every dragon has medicinal purposes, at least according to his sick and twisted ways. Terminus makes an offer to Pete. Pete instantly refuses and runs back to Nora. Later that day, Nora and Lampy offer Pete a home, a permanent home with them, and he instantly agrees to have a brazzle-dazzle day. Of course, what happens on your best day ever? The worst things ever. And the Gogans appear in town again. Only this time, they're demanding that Nora and Lampy give Pete back to them, claiming that they have a bill for sale to him. But through love, determination, and an invisible dragon named Elliot, they are finally defeated, and Pete needs to worry about them no more. At least so we think. Terminus, being the evil doctor that he is, makes a deal with the Gogans and convinces them to help him capture this mysterious dragon. With all of this evil starting to brew, what else could happen in any great movie? Well, a storm begins to blow in. To make things better, Pete tries to tell Nora of the great news that he has. Elliot has found Paul. 
Nora does not believe him, and in an unlikely fashion, to stop believing in his imaginary friend. Even the only man that's ever believed that Elliot exists, Lampy, starts to doubt that Elliot ever existed. But in true fashion, Pete still believes and pushes forward. Meanwhile, out at sea, slowly approaching Passamaquoddy, is a ship. Could it be Paul? As Pete's helping Nora with the lighthouse, he is soon lured to the town's boathouse by Terminus, and Hoggy does the same thing with Elliot. The two have been captured, they soon discover each other, and Elliot frees himself and saves Pete from the Gogans before they can escape. Elliot, in the only way he can, incinerates their infamous bill of sale, the Gogans' only piece of evidence stating that Pete was theirs, and covers them in tar before chasing them away. As Pete and Elliot celebrate, Terminus, in a fit of anger, aims a harpoon directly at Elliot, ready to kill him, but thankfully the harpoon's rope is looped around his ankles and he's sent flying into the ceiling. After more misgivings between Hoggy, Terminus, and our fearless heroes, Elliot saves the mayor and other dignitaries from the town from a utility pole which was about to fall. Hearing how grateful the townsfolk are, Elliot reveals himself to all of them, and still, they are thankful. Back at the lighthouse, everything seems in readiness, except what is a lighthouse without a light? The lamp has been extinguished due to a wave that hit the lighthouse. Still trying to help one and all, Elliot goes back to the lighthouse, trying to light the lamp. Upon arrival, Nora sees Elliot for the first time and truly believes he is real. The only problem is now, is that the lamp won't light. He tries and tries and the lamp is lit. And just in time, because there's a ship sailing out there and is finally saved. The next morning, the townsfolk praise Elliot for his help. Nora too is thankful, for she is truly reunited with the man she loved. And as story goes, yes, he was shipwrecked, but suffered amnesia because of it. And then one day, a clumsy little dragon came into town startled him, and jarred his memory by a bump on the head. So now that everyone's happy, everything must be great in Passamaquoddy. Except now it's time to say goodbye to Elliot, who needs to go help another child in need. Sadly, Pete says his goodbyes and realizes that he now has a loving family of his own. As I said earlier, the movie has just recently been re-released on Blu-ray for the 35th anniversary. The transfer is gorgeous. The video quality, I would say, is probably the highest I've seen for a late 70s movie, especially like this one. I think the joy to having this film on Blu-ray is, first of all, having the film itself. Because there isn't much when it comes to the amount of extras that are with it. Some of the wonderful little things there are, that are on this DVD is the Brazzle Dazzle effects. It's a 25-minute documentary of sorts that explains the history of, the, of special effects and the infamous live-action film hybrids that was used in this film, of course. Terminus and Hoggy Hunt Elliot. It's a cute little three-minute deleted scene, basically through storyboards and voiceover, that kind of adds to the story the I Love You song, and of course trailers for the film, two to be exact. Pete's Dragon is just a magical film and just holds a very nostalgic place in a lot of our hearts. I mean, I remember it being more of a reward 
when we were in school to be able to see some films, and to see the name Pete's Dragon when we were able to watch it in the library. And mind you, I'm talking before videotape. We're talking the big reels. It was always a brazzle-dazzle kind of event when we were able to see such films like this. I'm glad it's been transferred to Blu-ray, and it's one of those films that you must have on your shelf. Well, the curtain's coming down and the popcorn's empty, so it can only mean one thing, that it's time to say goodbye to you and all my company. But fear not, gang. I'm going to pack this fine film away for safekeeping and prepare for next week. You never know where we may soar to next time. Remember, the magic of Disney movies is always inside of you. Pete's best friend is a dragon named Elliot. Sometimes Elliot's invisible. Sometimes he's unbelievable. Sometimes he's out of control. But whenever Pete's in trouble, it's Elliot to the rescue. This is the adventure of a young boy and a lovable, mischievous, warm-hearted dragon. Together, they're going to breathe a little fire into the lives of everyone they meet. Walt Disney's classic, Pete's Dragon.
gave the horses away in Matawanakig to settle a malpractice suit, hmm? Nope. Well, don't worry. When we leave here, we'll have horses again. And plenty more. More what? More everything. Hmm? No, more anything. Look, I don't know. Do you mind if I sound optimistic? This is the worst town on our route. Hmm? I hate Pas... Pas... Pastafazuli, or whatever the name is. Quiet. Well, yeah. I don't want to cure anybody here. They all deserve to have whatever they have. I'll drink to that. I've had nothing, nothing but bad luck in this bird. I'm sorry, Doc. You see what I mean, Doc? I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Ogie, can I buy everybody around? Yeah. Huh? Around? Hey, because Doc, I gotta talk to you. Okay? Sit down. May I? Thank you. Hey, you're you're. You're a man of science, ain't you? A man of science, yes. Yes, I am. With degrees from the Royal Medical College, London. Huh? The Gleinen Einen Peitzen in Vienna. No. And the Moulin Rouge in Paris. Oh. Why do you think they call me Doc? Because they sail their boats into me? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm back again, all of you D-heads, and I want to thank you once again for stopping in here this week and making it a fun birthday week for me and going down to one of my favorite Disney movies with Pete's Dragon, and I want to extend that thank you to all of you D-heads for tuning in and our very special guest, Helen Reddy, for stopping in here this week. A long-standing career, somebody who has been influential in the women's movement and all over the world, thank you once again for taking time out of your busy schedule and chatting with all of us here at Disney On Demand. I want to thank you once again, and if you want to find out more about her 2013 world tour, her movies, her discography, and more, you can always visit her official website at HelenReady.com. I'd also like to thank the D-Team. Yes, the D-Team of Jamie, Jason, and Lexi, and Tony for stopping in once again with their signature segments, keeping you a little bit of fun, giving you some insights, and just adding that little bit of Disney magic to you. And remember, you can always find out more about the D-Team on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com, and there you can contact all of them in the D-Team page. And I'd also like to thank all of you D-Heads for stopping in here every single week. You make this show happen, you make it fun, and you are the reason that we come back to add that little bit of excitement, that little bit of fun, 
and making those memories happen with the Disney magic every single week. Thank you most of all for tuning in here at the show. Now before I let you know who we're going to have here next week, I'm going to just give you a little bit of a rundown of all the ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. Yes, first and foremost, you can always visit us on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. And there you can find our full list of archives, our past shows, current news blogs every single day with the latest news and more, including our Lifetime of Disney Player, where you can listen to over 300-plus television specials, TV shows, vintage Mickey Mouse Club movies, and more right there, absolutely free, on our homepage in our Flash Player. And that's all at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Com. Now, you can also find us all over the social media networks, including Instagram, Twitter, AOL Instant Messenger, and more. And you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DisneyBlue, and that's B-L-U. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DisneyOnDemand. Once we reach at 1,000 likes on our official page we are going to be giving away a Roy Disney autograph, so spread the word on that one. You can also find us on Twitter with all kinds of news and updates throughout the day, every single day, at twitter.com slash DisneyBlue. You can also find us on AOL Instant Messenger, Instagram, and more as, you guessed it, Disney Blue BLU. Now you can find all of these, including our Magical Memories Hotline and more, all over our official website at DizRadio.com. D-I-Z-Radio.com. So all of you D-heads, we've had a fun show 31 here this week, but who is coming up next week? How are we going to kick it off? Well, you may know that this week was the official release of the Disney animated classic Peter Pan. Yes, the Diamond Edition Blu-ray classic film has come out, but next week we're going to invite Peter Pan in the current day here at the show. Yes, we are going to have Blaine Weaver, the current voice of Peter Pan from Return to Neverland, House of Mouse, Mickey's House of Villains, Jake and the Neverland Pirates, you hear him in the parks and more. Blaine is the current voice of the one and only iconic Peter Pan, and he's going to be stopping in here next week to share his magic, his memories, the legacy of having this iconic voice of Peter Pan. And what is he doing in his acting career? So stay tuned next week, all of you D-heads. We're going to have a lot of fun lined up. So as I let you go, as I always mention, thank you for helping me celebrate this week for my birthday with a brazzle-dazzle day, having fun with that 1977 classic. Might I add, I was only one year old when that came out. Yes, that classic, Pete's Dragon, Helen Ready, and more. And remember, never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, catch you all over the web. On behalf of... <laughs> <laughs> it's a brazzle-dazzle day, so throw off the past and everything in it. That's the brazzle-dazzle way. Hi! Oh, Elliot, you're the greatest. You've made everybody happy, especially me. I'm very proud of you. We've got a real family now, and a place to live. (coughs) You've got to go? When will you be back?
Did I do something wrong? There's another kid in trouble? Well, if anyone can get him out of it, you can. <laughs> I won't see you again, will I, ever. What are you sniffing for? Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.